Did you have to, uh, did you have to devise the swashbuckling style of punch fighting that you did because of the short reach? Yes, that was the big reason. I had to uh, sort of get low and try to come up, as we say, from underneath to get in close on an opponent because the closer I could get to an opponent, uh, the more damage I could do with the short arms. At, uh, at long range, I just couldn't jab with the, the great jabbers. Uh, such as Joe Lewis when I fought him in 51 uh, he had 11 inches reach on me and was able to just pop that left in my in my face and keep me at a distance I had to sort of crowd and um, move in on him and that is why uh, the style was really developed Rocky um, I'm former lightweight champion Livingstone Bramble and I'm doing Zeus boxing show and I tell you what, the guy really give you a chance to, to bring come up with the right word if you don't have it at your head at the point. And I think that's going to make your show go a lot longer because fighters will appreciate that. All righty, welcome everybody to Zoot's Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you sweet science straight up with no twist. And here we are, Wednesday, December 21st, 2022. And yes, Mr. Bramble. We appreciate you and all fighters here on uh, Zoot's Boxing Talk. And Rocky Marciano was talking about a huge reach disadvantage against Joe Lewis in that clip. Well, our guest tonight, Damian Kaniba, had about a 10 or 11-inch reach advantage on Joe Lewis. So wouldn't that have been something to behold to see... (laughs) Two guys in the same division, Marciano and Kaniba, but with a ridiculous disparity in reach. That's about as far as I will go with a fantasy fight discussion. Not my bag, really. But Damian Kaniba will be here. We're going to have Santiago's Stance later in the show. Wilkins Santiago, former fighter, been on this show a bunch of times when he was an active pugilist. He's going to join our rotation of boxing experts and analysts a little bit later in the show. But uh, for now, you're stuck with me here in this winter evening. Is it winter yet? I think it's officially winter. I never know what these numbers. I think it's 21st. We got that down, Pat. But, uh, Regardless of what the frigid temperatures may be near you, the boxing action over the weekend was sizzling. There was certainly plenty. And uh, the big card on uh, Showtime featured a good triple header. But uh, I did, I was able to catch some of the undercard. So I'll uh, give the, a brief shout out of what I actually did see. Elijah Garcia, good looking uh, young uh, middleweight dispatches of Cruz Stewart in two rounds. Omar Juarez defeats uh, Austin Dulay in uh, it was a decision, uh, ten round decision. Super lightweights. Uh, Juarez was doing his uh, best imitation of Andrew Galata. Lost a bunch of 
points for low blows. Three points gets deducted from uh, Juarez, and he winds up winning a unanimous decision nonetheless. Gives you an idea what kind of uh, fight uh, that was. And Christian uh, Baez beats Kevin Johnson in a 10-round super lightweight fight by decision as well. Uh, the big card was the Showtime triple header over on the East Coast. It started uh, late, started at 10 o'clock. And by the time the main event uh, uh, came on, it was certainly uh, <laughs> way after midnight. But anyway, uh, Vincent Astrolabio gets it started against Nikolai Potabov in a very good bantamweight fight. Uh, Astralabrio was uh, put on the map by beating uh, Rigandau in a decision, and he follows that up with a good power showcase. It was all about the power for uh, Vincent as he knocked down Potapov down a, a few times and, and gets the stoppage in the sixth round. The co-features saw Vladimir Shitskin uh, take on Jose Ustatege in a 12-round super middleweight uh, affair. And this point as well goes the distance. This was an interesting fight for me. Uh, it was uh, exciting, a lot of good action, a lot of good skills on display. Patagay uh, came in there in good shape, came in there trying to make it his fight, being the aggressor, landing the power shots. But I thought it was clear that Shiskin uh, did the better job at distance, he does a good job of fighting off the back foot, and uh, I thought he won most of the rounds in this 12-round super middleweight affair. If you want to be generous, seven rounds to five, I think, is a bit of a stretch. Uh, eight rounds uh, to uh, nine rounds to three, uh, or eight rounds to four, I think, with a more realistic scorecards, and uh, Shitskin gets himself a good win. Then in the main event, the one all the real boxing fans were looking forward to, a lightweight matchup between two ranked guys. If you are one of those people that really uh, take stock into the Ring Magazine ratings, both Frank Martin and Michelle Rivera were in the top 10 in their lightweight division. And the stage was set for a great 12-round fight over at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. Well, I don't know if you could say it was a great fight, but it was certainly a great moment, right? Uh, we, we can't have it both ways as boxing fans. I mean, we certainly know how to grumble and moan and groan when guys don't want to fight each other. Nobody wants to fight each other. I can't make fights. This guy wants to look on box rec. This one can't do this. The companies are killing each other. Nobody wants to fight out of the boxing leagues. Well, if we're going to say all that <laughs> easily, then when something like this happens, and it's been happening more often if you're really paying attention, where top 10 guys, top 15 guys are fighting each other, <clears throat> we got to celebrate it. Sometimes we're not going to get the, scintilla the scintillating uh, competition showdown, if you will, that we want to see, that we think we're going to get from such a matchup. And I don't think we got it here, but we still got to celebrate it nonetheless. And uh, Martin wins this one going away. Frank Martin was the superior uh, performer. He seemed like he had a good game plan. 
stuff to it. Uh, Rivera kind of tried to make it a little interesting in some of those middle rounds, but uh, Martin got off to a good start. Uh, Rivera tried to get back into it, uh, but it just didn't do it. And um, Martin ran away after about the sixth round. Uh, the writing was on the wall. The only real uh, mystery was whether or not he was going to win by decision or he was going to win by stoppage. And he wins by the 12-round decision. And uh, more on that a little bit later. And uh, Wilkins Santiago, when we do Santiago's stance, is going to break down that fight in, in, into more detail uh, for us. But uh, the overall, that, that main event was the overall theme for the fight at the top this weekend uh, for us here in, in America. We, we had the opportunity for that Showtime card. We also had a Dazone card, and we had an ESPN Plus card. And in all three of those cards, uh, the main event uh, was not competitive. Right, the, the guys who won the main event won running away. There was n- not much competition there, but still good matchups and all of that. But let's now take a little bit of time to talk about the ESPN Plus card. And uh, Hugo Millicalf and uh, Lester Lara uh, go to distance. Six-round win for Millicalf, a good-looking welterweight. Uh, Hugo has got a lot of potential. He has a lot of skills. He was putting his punches together well. He was certainly uh, landing often. Uh, Not a lot of power, and uh, I think that was the big thing for him. Absolutely no KOs. This was his sixth victory. He was hoping that this fight would be the first time he wins inside the distance. Uh, was not to be. And uh, the uh, announcer for the ESPN Plus stream made an interesting point that uh, the reason why, and I I wish I could remember the guy's name. He's not somebody I'm familiar with. He doesn't normally do any of the the, the fights that I watch on ESPN Plus. Uh, Joel Adelson or something like that comes to mind. I'll get the name right and I'll, I'll give him his proper uh, credit when I when I find out who the heck he is, but he made an excellent point with Millicap, uh stating that he he thinks once he fights more rounds, he will get more stoppages because his style is the wearing down style. He was certainly butting Lara often. Didn't really seem like it bothered Lara a whole lot, but over the course of an eight round, a ten round, and obviously a twelve round fight that could equate to more late round stoppages due to uh, a high work rate. So I thought that was an excellent point and we'll see. Uh, Hugo certainly showed us enough to want to get back and into it uh, later on. So we'll see more from him. Uh, Chris, Chris Asabi over Darwin Martinez. This was probably the best fight of the weekend in terms of, uh, being even Steven as well as producing good action. Uh, Asabi wins a 12-round uh, decision, sorry, six-round decision to go 12-0. and 0, And uh, I don't know. 
uh, Martinez came in there with a, with a little bit of a losing record, but uh, he, he certainly showed he knows how to fight. He certainly knows he could scrap. He could mix it up. He was landing good punches. He was doing well as an aggressor. And I thought he edged this out. A six-round fight, it's tough to say. Uh, Asabi was the house guy, and he gets the decision. But uh, a good competitive six-round uh, bout. The cold features saw... And, uh, you know, I, I try to practice these names, and it's just uh, impossible sometimes. WBC Silver, welterweight title, the vacant belt was on the line for um, Suleiman Sisosko, Sisosko against Tulian MG. Right? And uh, this was a 12-round decision for Sisosko. Uh, why do I even bother with these names? <laughs> Chikoso, and I was saying it many times as I'm watching the fight, and I still can't get it right. Well, anyway, it was a 12-round decision for uh, for him, and uh, it was a good, solid win. Uh, and then uh, in the main event, we saw the super uh, middleweight uh, fight between the highly ranked uh, Christian and Billy against uh, Vaughn Alexander, brother of Devon Alexander. And it was a comprehensive 10-round win for Mbilly. Uh Alexander was proved to be tough, but that did not equate to him winning uh, many rounds. So that's what you got over on ESPN+. And then the zone card, a golden boy card. And you were treated, if you watch this one, you were treated to the uh, commentary of Bernard Hopkins. And uh, this one saw a lot of good fights. You saw... Uh, a lot of big-name talent, too. Cecilia Brakis wins a six-round decision over Marisa Jonah Portillo. Uh, we saw uh, Angel uh, Vasquez defeat Nicholas Sullivan in a unanimous decision. Uh, some uh, controversy uh, in this one. Uh, Sullivan was down in the sixth round. Uh, questionable. Uh there was a point taken away from uh, Vasquez as well for pushing his opponent and wound up being a close victory for Angel uh, Vasquez. Aaron Silva looked good in stopping Alan Campa in five rounds, super middleweight to keep an eye on. And this was an interesting fight. This is another fight where I did not agree with the decision. Jesus Gonzalez uh, defeats Ivan Cano in a 10-round lightweight affair. And uh, I thought Cano did enough to win. The veteran was showing uh, his prowess, was giving the kid a hard time over the 10 rounds. Uh, Gonzalez had his moments, landed some good shots uh, here and there, but I thought uh, Cano was the better performer and won more rounds over the 10 rounds. And Gonzalez has got a lot of work to do. I mean, time and time again, what stuck out for me for this fight was that Cano uh, was able to walk up to his opponent, land combinations to the body without really having to worry about a counter or anything, any kind of dangerous uh, return from Gonzalez. I mean, how many times are you going to allow your opponent to walk up to you and and land a combination to the breadbasket and not? deliver something in return. I mean, we saw this in this fight multiple times. I was sitting there 
flabbergasted, and, and I couldn't understand why anybody, nobody in the corner was uh, directing him to take advantage of that. Because you know, you, you, you're in a vol- as the offensive fighter, if you're going and throwing to the body, you're you're at your most vulnerable. And Cano was able to do it without really much, uh, you know, damage returned to him at all. So. Uh, he does escape with a decision. We'll see what he can learn from this and how he can improve from this in the uh, very rich, lightweight division. Then in the co-feature, we saw Diego De La Hoya taking on Jose Santos Gonzalez. And Diego De La Hoya was a guy that has been off for uh, a long time, has not really been all that active, uh, you know, he, he did have a fight in July, but prior to that, uh, inactivity was plaguing him. Uh, he was trying to get back on the horse in 2019, but uh, only fought once in 2018, and uh, you know, hasn't really been uh, in the, in the spotlight all that much. And in 2018, the one time he did perform, it was at the turning. Stone Casino and Boxing Hall of Fame weekend, and I was at that fight, and I was like in about the second or third row ringside of that fight. I had excellent seats, and I thought that um, De La Hoya was uh, the clear, clear, well, clearly a cut above everybody else in terms of skill level on that evening, and I couldn't wait to see this guy in bigger and better uh, things. Uh, and it just has not uh, happened at the moment. And uh, tonight, I mean, he he doesn't get he gets the stoppage in eight rounds, and he looked really good in ter- terms of uh, putting punches together. Actually, it wasn't a stoppage; it was an accidental headbutt that stopped the fight. And uh, De-, De La Hoya was up uh, by a lot of uh, points. One second here, I'm just checking something. So, yeah, so then Diego De La Hoya delivers a technical decision in dominant fashion. And then in the main event, another case where the main event was not all that competitive. And this one was a quickie. Raul Coriel stops Brad uh, Solomon in two rounds in a welterweight bout. And Coriel is another good-looking young fighter on the this time the golden boy roster and you you definitely want to go and find out what you're going to get in terms of what's next so what's next we'll, we'll save frank martin for santiago's stance but what's next for the other two guys at the top uh let's look at mbali and the super middleweight division as we uh He's ranked high. Let me just make sure I get this right. Because, you know, when you do stuff like this, like you, you, you have it ready, you know what you want to say, and then boom. Wait a minute. That's not what I meant. And where we go. So in the ring magazine ratings, and Billy is uh, ranked fifth in the super middleweight division. He's ranked second in the WBC. That's his highest ranking in the sanctioning bodies. So uh, what could be next? I mean, a, a fight with David Benavidez, who's a uh, partial champ in the WBC. He has the interim title. Uh, not sure if uh, 
that's a possibility. I would like to see him in there against a guy like John Ryder. Or Caleb Plant is the number one guy in that division. He's looking for a Benavides showdown. I mean, Alvarez, Canelo Alvarez has a lot of these belts in the super middleweight uh, division, and uh, you just don't know if you, we're even going to see him uh, compete in, in that division anymore. I mean, I don't know. But uh, there's certainly a couple of uh, good fights to be made for Mbilly next. Curiel, as a young uh, welterweight, he's still uh, not going to see him in a whole lot of uh, fights against top 10 competition. But uh, it's always fun to try and make these uh, matchups. Uh, and let me see, is this? Kirk, I don't think Curiel is anywhere in the top 15. Uh, actually, he's ranked 14 in the BC. So I would try and match him up against it. There's a lot of names in, the, in this division, in the welterweight division, especially in the WBC top 10, that uh, he could fight and he, he his stock can go up. Uh, Abel Ramos, Mario Barrios, Edges, the Mean Machine, uh, and Bengi, and the guy who fought this weekend as well. I'll, I'll, I would match up. I would try and get a fight with any of these guys if I'm handling Curiel because, you know, we'll, we'll see. Even a guy like Jamal James, who's ranked number 12, who might be a good matchup for uh, Curiel next. I don't know. So, while we had a lot of anticipation, we didn't have a lot of fierce competition, in, especially in these main events. And uh, there was, a, I didn't want to play around with uh, shitskin. My computer is acting a little shitskinny now as well. I'm trying to, where the heck is the thing that I wanted to talk about? Uh, so, I don't know. So, shitskin is another performer and the super middleweight division. And you, you, you would certainly like to see him in and Belly fight, right? They both fought on the same weekend. Both looked good in winning. Uh, but uh, you just don't know with the different uh, sanctioning bodies uh, what could happen. Uh, not the sanctioning bodies, the different promotional companies, uh, what could happen. Uh, I had a good matchup for Shitskin that I wanted discuss now for some reason it's escaping me but he's another guy that he's ranked 10 in the ring magazine ratings perhaps him and uh john Ryder could get together or uh i don't think caleb plant would go that route plant is looking for a bigger uh money fight i think at this point in his career i mean edgar berlanger seems he's still undefeated even though Interest in him, I think, has dropped a lot. He's a top, I think he's still a top-ranked guy. They, they they drop guys quickly <laughs> if they're not interested. I would think they could take him to the mountaintop anymore. No wonder when Edgar Berlanger's uh, letter is, of release is going to slip under his hotel door. If he starts, if he keeps having performances like he has, it might not be. Uh, it might be sooner rather than later. But uh, I'm glancing over the rankings now. Shitskin is number nine in the IBF. Uh, and maybe uh, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I had a fight all I was very excited about a matchup with Shitskin that I wanted to share with everybody. And now I don't know. Now it's like escaping me. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was just the Mbali fight. Over in the W, was it? B.O.? Uh, yeah, B.O., Shitskin, and Mbali are right next to each other, 14 and 15. So... That could be something. But a, a lot of potential excitement and fun matchups. And Tatsuke, based on that performance, uh, can get himself a, a, a good high-profile fight at super middleweight, too. And he didn't embarrass himself in that fight. So uh, we'll definitely see. We're going to be hearing from uh, Damian Kanaiba uh, shortly, another 10 minutes or so. Uh, that is a pre-recorded interview, so I know for sure we'll hear from him unless everything blows up with my technology. I don't have to wait for him to come on. We spoke over the weekend, and uh, it was a cool to speak to him all the way from Poland. So I'll save this date in boxing history for after the Kaniba interview. Let's now address some of the boxing news that's all over the place and once again uh, we're hit with a disappointment as a potential fight uh, seems to be on hold right now as everybody is blasting out there that uh, Jose Ramirez is not is not going to fight uh, hold on one second. I'm getting preoccupied here. I apologize. He's not going to fight Regis Progre. So now Progre has a chance to have a voluntary defense. That's what's being reported. And uh, we've been here before with Ramirez in program. I mean, I just mentioned this not long ago on this show. I mean, it was just, uh, I don't know if everybody has amnesia or they're just not uh, pointing to it. But uh, nobody should be surprised that Jose Ramirez is doing everything he can to stay out of the ring with Regis Progray because we played this song before. Don't you remember 2018? It was Jose Ramirez against Amir Aman, and the winner was set to fight Regis Progre. And Regis Progre was on my show, and I asked him about it. I asked him who he thought was going to win. And the first thing he said was, first of all, I don't think, regardless of who wins, I don't think either one of those guys are going to fight me. And he did go on to say he thought Ramirez was going to beat him on, but he didn't think he was going to fight him. And he wound up being right. So what I, what I got to do is I, I thought I had that clip on my, my switchboard, but uh, it's not there. So I'm going to have to go back, find that interview, cut it up, and play that clip. So, I mean, almost immediately, Hall of Fame boxing promoter Bob Arum 
threw water on that sizzling battle between Pro Gray and Ramirez back in 2018. He said, no, 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 that, that, we're not ready for that fight. Regis Pro Gray somehow is not ready for a fight of that magnitude. We got to build him up a little bit more. I'm paraphrasing, but that was the approach. So instead of giving Progre the Ramirez fight, top rank, put uh, Regis Progre on the same card with Tiafimo Lopez in New Orleans to keep him happy. And Progre's the guy that'll go and fight anybody. He didn't care. He was like, all right, I I knew this guy doesn't want to fight me, so let's go. I'm going to get a chance to fight in New Orleans. Let's do it. So you're telling me there's no connection all the way back then in 2018? Ramirez says, no, 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 no. Well, it wasn't Ramirez. Bob Arum was more of the mouthpiece. Then, oh, I'm sorry. Hall of Fame boxing promoter Bob Arum was more of the mouthpiece then and put ice on the fire. Uh, on the fire. And you had top rank fanboys like Rick Glazer defending it. Glazer defending top rank. That doesn't happen every day, does it? He he went on social media right away saying, you know, defending is saying that Ramirez is far above Progre's class right now. Even when he said Progre was like a stupid fighter or something like that. Now, now Glazer's on social media talking about how Progre, he's calling out Ramirez for not wanting to fight him, saying now Progre is now the, the potential Boogeyman, connecting the dots to my next point as it seems like the relationship between Jose Ramirez and Top Rank is not all lovey-dovey anymore. So I don't think it's a coincidence now that people might have amnesia, short memories. I don't. I don't understand how Glazer could go from saying Ramirez would kill Progray, Progray is a one-dimensional stupid fighter to now calling Progray the boogeyman. Is it because it doesn't, it seems like Jose Ramirez wants out of top rank. It seems like top rank is not going out of their way to showcase Ramirez as their guy. I mean, Ramirez even said during this battle of uh, whatever, I don't even know if it was negotiations, whatever you want to call it, that, you know, uh, he he let it be known that his contract with top rank is ending soon. I mean, you got to get up early in the morning to pull one over on me. Because you, all these, all, you have all these fanboys, right? Fanboys, right? Uh, so much so that since Frank Martin and is connected to the PBC and Heyman, that these kinds of guys go out of their way to try and say, whoa, 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 hold the phone on Martin being great. Can't have an Al Heyman guy getting that much positive press. I mean, that, that's how it works with some of these people. I don't understand it. Who gives a shit if this guy's with top rank, if this guy's with, with PBC or Golden Boy or, or Eddie Hearn? I could care less. 
I like and dislike fighters from all camps. There's nothing to do with who's handling them. But some guys, you could set your clock to it, like Glazer. And I like Glazer. But he's but he's a top-ranked fanboy, first and foremost. So we have this paper trail of Ramirez not wanting to fight Progre. That much is clear. And it's surprising because Ramirez doesn't strike you as that type of guy. You know, arguably, Ramirez did a better job against Josh Taylor than Progre did in the sense of delivering hard, get you out of there shots. I mean, I thought Progre beat Josh Taylor, but he certainly didn't hurt to do the, the kind of damage that he typically does against the, his other opponents. So now Progre gets a shot to have a voluntary defense due to this fight falling through. And at 140 pounds, you you got a lot of great options, but I don't see those great options coming to play. I mean, I would be shocked if it's Regis Progress. Arnold Barbosa uh, Jr., I think, has a fight coming up with uh, Pedraza, so unless they turn on the dime, they, I, I think Barbosa Jr. would jump at that chance. But I don't see that happening because of the fight that he already has set. Gary uh, Antoine Russell, too too early for him, even though he, although he's ranked high right now by the ring. Puleo would probably, Zach Familio mentioned Puleo uh, when he was on here. That's a possibility. But let's look. Let's go to the sanctioning bodies. WBC top 10. And I don't know how updated these are. And it's a little, it was a little, uh, a little fugazi because according to what's posted here, you got WBC at 140. Progre is the champ. But at the same time, he's also ranked number two. How the heck could that be? So that, that's a, that's something weird. Uh, another guy that might take that fight is Sander Martin, who a lot of people thought beat uh, Fimo. But I don't know how sexy that would be. Uh, Progress fight anybody. He's one of the few guys uh, that you don't have to worry about that, although him being connected with Pro Bellum, from what I understand, leads to a lot of complications of making certain fights, in particular top rank. Well, let's always call Al Heyman the obstructionist. So, I mean, I don't think we're going to get anything exciting for Prograder next time out. But, hey, all he's got to do is uh, to go out there, defend his belt uh, against the top 10 guy, and he's doing his part. Who that top 10 guy is going to be, we have to wait and see. Uh, Sergey Lipinets is ranked number eight. I could see that fight happening. Uh, I mean, Lopez would be the obvious choice, would be the stellar choice, would be the choice uh, even more promising than Jose Ramirez, but I don't see that happening for many different reasons. Uh, I don't think uh, Lopez has looked good at all since uh, beating uh, 
uh, Lomachenko. And older Linares. That's uh, kind of what he seems like, right? That's how he's performed. Are you out of your fucking mind? I could be Tiafimo Sr., but I'm telling you what I see. I, I just don't think he's looked as good. and I, I can't see people handling him, wanting him to take a chance to get his act together against the guy, a killer, the boogeyman, as Glazer's now calling him, as program. And, you know, if top rank is, does, doesn't want, it doesn't seem like top rank wants to ever give Progray a big fight. And now that he's connected to Pro Bellum, we got that problem. So, Sander Martin, Sergey Lipinets, those are possibilities. Nothing to get yourself excited over. But Progray is so good and so fun to watch that, uh, you know, you, you should be there. Uh, cheering him on, defending his title, or, or at least be interested in seeing a, a master performer defending their title. Next. Now, before we get to uh, the interview, we had a, a couple of other unfortunate deaths. One in the boxing world, referee Double S, Steve Smoger, passes away at 72. Uh Social media is blowing up uh, in uh, praise of Smoger. And the one thing I can say about Smoger, I've been around him a couple of times. I've met him at the Boxing Hall of Fame. I've covered boxing matches where he was a referee. Always a friendly guy. I mean, he would be the first one to say hello to you. You make eye contact with the guy, and it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if he knows you or not. He sees you there. He, he sees you there supporting boxing, and he would go out of his way just to say a nice, friendly hello. And that goes a long way for me because I've been around a lot of these guys, and you look at them and you, you, you try and like acknowledge that you appreciate what they do, and they give you a look like you're carrying a fucking plague. Guys like Pencil Dick Thomas Hauser. Right, he, that guy. That, that guy is the biggest arrogant sob. He might be a nice guy to people he knows, but if you don't know, I mean, I don't. Know, you try and say hello to that guy. He looks like actually like you want. He wants to kill you. Like <laughs> you're in my presence. I, I. What are you doing in my presence? That's the kind of aura Thomas Hauser gives you. Arthur Mercanti Jr. is also that way. If we're gonna stick to referees, Dan Raphael. If I had a couple of burritos in my hand, I'm sure Raphael would be my friend. But uh, no, no such luck. Like, I don't understand how these guys think that they earned the status to be douchebags to people. But Smoga, always polite, always friendly, and it's sad that he passed away. Now, the other big problem with... Uh, Deaths this week. The other unfortunate, untimely death uh, was out of boxing, but uh, a big one for the sports world nonetheless. We found out today that Franco Harris, Pittsburgh Steeler great, passed away. That is a tough one for a lot of people. A lot of people who are my age or a little older grew up on Franco Harris, on the Steel Curtain. The Immaculate Reception was. Uh, was uh, what you call it uh, 
anniversary was this past weekend, I think, or this coming weekend. They were doing a lot of things for the, yeah, I think this weekend they're on, they were supposed to have an honor. I don't know exactly. I'm not that much of a, a football guy anymore. But, uh, and the Immaculate Reception was early 70s. I was still a baby at that point. But uh, Harris, a Pittsburgh Steeler, great. And as far as I know, had no health issues. I know Smoker was sick for a little while. Uh, so the, the Franco Harris one comes as a big surprise to us. We still don't know exactly what happened there. But uh, we uh, say our goodbyes and let's give them a moment of silence. You will be missed. All right, so for the remainder of the show, we're going to hear from Daniel, Damian, rather, Damian Kaniba. Uh, we'll do this date in boxing history, then we'll have a little Santiago stance. So here we go. As soon as I find the clip, we'll play it. All righty, my next guest is a competitor in the heavyweight division. He sports a record of 10 and 0 with six knockouts. He was recently performing in Madison Square Garden, New York City. And also with him is uh, Lucas Kaunaki to help him with uh, translation. And I'm talking about none other than Damien Kaniba. Welcome to the show. How are, how's everybody doing tonight? Hey everyone, um, I'm feeling great. Uh, it's one week after the fight. Um, I'm back in Poland. Um, very, very excited after the last fight. Um, and I'm, um, I had a pretty, pretty good week of resting, and I can't wait for the next uh, fight proposition. All righty, and before we get into that fight, let's go back a little bit, talk about how you got interested in boxing and how your career got started. Przed rozmową o tamtej walce, choć to jest coś nie się w czasie, jak zainteresowałeś się w boksie i jak to wszystko się zaczęło? No ja już od dziecka interesowałem się boksem. Już lubiłem razem z braci oglądać zawsze walki. Bardzo interesował mnie boks, ale że pochodzę ze wsi, to po prostu nie miałem, nie miałem możliwości trenowania nic. I jak poszedłem do szkoły, szkoły średniej, to zacząłem trenować lekkoatletykę i później stwierdziłem, że jako, że od dziecka miałem marzenie, żeby zostać bokserem, że, to, że ta lekkoatletyka to nie jest to, co, to, co bym chciał robić i po prostu zaryzykowałem i po, jednak poszedłem w boks. Uh, he said, as, as a young uh, kid, uh, I always loved boxing. I enjoyed watching boxing, uh, the Polish heavyweights with my with my brothers. Um, so I started training um, different types of sports. And because boxing wasn't uh, readily readily available in my in my town, I lived in a small town. Um, but I, I, once I got older and I was able to um, travel a little outside of my town, I decided that uh, I, wa- I wanted to start. I want to start boxing. And, um, and I, I decided that once I started, I really, really, I, I love, I fell in love with it even more. And um, I wanted to continue uh, my, my boxing career and, and uh, put all my cards on, on, on boxing. So was it uh, difficult to find a boxing gym where you were? 
Czy było ciężko znaleźć siłownię bokserską obok Ciebie? No, jak już poszedłem do szkoły średniej, do Bydgoszczy, to było tam kilka klubów. No i trenowałem równolegle w dwóch innych klubach. Znalazłem jednego trenera, tylko on nie mógł mnie wypuszczać z zawodów, dlatego, a był dosyć dobry, dlatego trenowałem u niego. Jednocześnie trenowałem też u innego, u którego mogłem startować na zawodach. Uh, so once I went to um, uh, high school, middle school, uh, once I went to high school, I was able to uh, leave, uh, go to school outside of my, my, my town in the city of Bydgoszcz, which is a big city in Poland. Um, there I was able to find um, a couple boxing gyms, but um, one of the boxing gyms uh, I was unable to perform, I mean, I was unable, I was unable to compete in any amateur uh, bouts. So I, um, even though I really liked that trainer, I was unable to uh unable to perform any bouts, amateur bouts, so I, I went to a different gym uh, also in, in the city of Bydgoszcz and uh, from there I was able to uh, start competing in, in amateur uh, amateur boxing. Now, was there a lot of uh, American boxing on there? Did you follow the sport uh, uh, worldwide? Because with, with, most of the, uh, you know, especially at that time, there was a lot of uh, boxing on American television, uh, did that come over to where you were in your country? Czy oglądałeś dużo amerykański boks, jak byłeś w Polsce, jak, byłeś, e, jak zaczyna, zaczęłeś? E, tak, no, bardzo, bardzo lubiłem oglądać e, Wildera na przykład. E, no, tak, bardzo lubiłem oglądać amerykański boks. I said yes, uh, I, was, I was able to keep up with, with, the box, with American boxing. Um, I, I loved watching uh, some of the heavyweights like Wilder um, in, in, in their careers and I, I just stayed, uh, stayed up to par with all the, all the boxing worldwide. Talk a little bit about your amateur uh, background once you started doing it. Uh, what did you really like about it? What were some of the things that were a little bit more uh, difficult for you? Co lubiłeś o nim, a, a to, z czym miałeś problemy? Co, co ci się nie podobało? No ogólnie bardzo lubiłem, bardzo lubiłem sparingi. To było to zawsze, u nas zawsze w piątki były sparingi, to było to, co cały tydzień czekałem. A wiadomo, nie lubiłem na początku robić takich wydolnościowych ćwiczeń, ale z czasem moja kondycja poprawiała się i coraz bardziej to już zacząłem robić i później tak naprawdę no już nie miałem praktycznie z niczym problemu i praktycznie lubiłem praktycznie już wszystko. Uh, I loved um, I loved fighting, I loved sparring. Every Friday was a sparring day at our gym, so I waited every week uh, for Friday. Um, it, was, it was what I enjoyed most um, about uh, preparing for the amateur bouts is, is, is sparring. Um, some of the things that I really I uh, had a hard time with that I disliked at, at first was uh, the the conditioning part of, of boxing, um, but I, but then as as time went on I, I felt uh, felt to like that as well, and I realized it was uh, it was important for my career, so I I, I work on that uh, often. Now, one of the things that has been uh, discussed with you when you were on uh, television was the big reach advantage that you have, an even bigger reach uh, slightly than Tyson Fury. At what point did that become uh, something that was on your radar, that you had this 
big reach compared to everybody else. Um, na telewizji rozmawiali, że masz bardzo y, masz warunki y, bardzo dobre na ręce. No długie ręce masz y, troszkę większe od Tysona Furego. Jakie to są plusy w tym? No do, do tego mam dosyć niezłą stratę nóg i mogę właśnie utrzymywać wszystkich na dystans. No nie w, każde, nie, nie w każdej walce, bo to nie walce, na przykład tego nie wykorzystałem, bo chciałem troszeczkę bardziej widowiskowo zawalczyć, ale daje mi to właśnie ogromną przewagę, że praktycznie każdego mogę trzymać na dystans i wypunktować go, rozbijać go lewym prostym. I believe uh, the the reach advantage alongside my uh, my ability to, to move on my feet gives me a huge um uh huge huge advantage on my opponents um especially me uh me having one of the, the, the one of the longest in in in, uh, in boxing right now um it allows me to use my uh, left jab properly and keep my opponents at distance and can have more control over the fight unfortunately last fight I I I decided to um kind of shorten the distance, not take advantage of my uh, reach and fight more uh, on the inside. I wanted to have an emotional fight for the fans and, and show a very exciting fight for my first time in Madison Square Garden. Now, do you often get a lot of pressure and ridicule, ridicule to always fight from distance when you do try and uh, do different things in there? To Często dostajesz presję od y, trenerów i, i mediów, że właśnie nie używasz tego dystansu, y, po, po, po powinniesz? E, różnie to bywa, jeśli chodzi, no na przykład ten, ten ze Stanów Joe akurat e, czasami chce, żebym troszeczkę w dystansie więcej boksował, ale e, no wiadomo, no, w mediach jednak zawsze chcą, żebym y, boksował wszystkich po dystansie i nie zawsze im się podoba to, że, że wchodzę po dystans i się biję, ale no czasami po prostu jak wiem, jak wiem, że mam kontrolę nad walką i że mogę sobie na to pozwolić, to po prostu czasami wolę się trochę pobić i dać lepszą, emocjon bardziej emocjonującą walkę. Uh, I believe um, everyone, um, being that that's my main attribute, I should be keeping my distance, but we do train at the gym. Uh, with, with my trainers also on the on the mid and and close game and uh, fighting in the pocket, um, I believe you know I should have strength in uh, in any position in in the ring. Uh, so we do train uh, all, all positions in the ring, um, just in case uh, we do uh, come into the moment inside the fight where where I am in that position. Uh, I believe the the media does um, prefer to see fights where. Um, where they are a little bit inside and I am exchanging and I am uh, fighting instead of just boxing on the outside. Those kind of fights do tend to make the fight more exciting instead of um, me using my attributes. So I do feel comfortable like I have the opponent under control and, and, and uh, my speed and, and, and the control and, and skills are able to uh, control the fight. I do sometimes uh, shorten up the distance and, and, and put some work on the inside. Now you made your pro debut in June of 2021. Talk about what that was like. Zrobiłeś swoją pierwszą walkę w, w szóstym miesiącu roku 2021 w Polsce. Opowiedz jak to, jak to było. No była to wa wa 
to była to walka w takiej małej miejscowości, na takiej bardzo małej gali. No i co, no, walka przebiegała po mojej myśli. Od tego czasu zrobiłem ogromny progres. Nie spodziew... Nigdy bym nie pomyślał, kiedy zaczynałem, kiedy miałem ten debiut, że półtora roku później zawalczę na dziesiątej walce w Madison Square Garden. Uh, my first fight was in a very small town in, in Poland. No more than uh, 50, 50 to 100 people were, were at attendance. I could even fit fit more um i had a uh, I, my fight went as planned um i was able to control him and and end, end the fight uh, quite quite early it was a I, at no point in my mind was it going through my head that in a year year and a half i'll be i'll be be able to fight at madison square garden compared to the, the uh show that i was fighting there currently now your uh, debut in America came in May of 2022. You you fought in Queens. Uh, was that the first time you were in the United States? Debut w Stanach był w maju 2022. To był pierwszy raz, co byłeś w Stanach. Byłem dwa lata wcześniej na walczyłem na turnieju The Ring Masters jeszcze. I, uh, before my debut, I was in, in the States two years actually before, uh, before, before my even professional debut. I, uh, I, um, in March of 20, of 2020, I, uh, I competed in the Ringmasters, but because of COVID, uh, I wasn't able to complete. I won my first round and then, uh, COVID occurred and, uh, there was confusion around the whole world. So, um, they canceled the uh the bout the rest of the tournament and i went back to uh poland and what were some what were some of the big differences between uh when you visited the united states and the, the times that you've been back since compared to what life is like there in poland for you Kurde, ciężko powiedzieć w sprawie. Znaczy ja ogólnie aktualnie skupiam się na boksie praktycznie na tyle, że, no, że nie, ja nie mam specjalnie dużych różnic tutaj w życiu, że tak powiem, bo praktycznie to u mnie tylko jest sala, trening, sala, trening, więc tak naprawdę no, ciężko powiedzieć, jakie to są główne różnice. No. Um, I, in terms of my life, uh, all I do is, is box, whether I'm in Poland or I'm in the United States. So there's no really big difference for me, whether I'm here or there. It's all gym, gym home, gym home. And that's just what I um, give 100% of my time uh, when I'm either in the States or in Poland. Now, you're very tall, six, seven, a lot taller than the average person uh what is life like when you're in poland and when you're visiting here in, in the states are, are things readily accommodated accommodated to your size or is it hard to get around i'm thinking like traveling in a car or an airplane seat stuff like that that, that always fascinates me with the really big athletes like how, how well is it does the world accommodate their size <laughs> Jak świat 
Ci utrudnia z transportacją w samochodzie, na lotnisku, czy jakieś inne sprawy, ubraniami, takie rzeczy, czy jak sobie dajesz radę z tym? No są plusy i minusy tego, no wiadomo, że na przykład no, no, i, i trudniej jest z samochodem się czasami poruszać w niektórych samochodach, szczególnie w takich sportowych autach no nie ma w ogóle miejsca na nogi i ciężko w ogóle skierować. No jeśli chodzi właśnie na przykład samolotem zawsze trzeba się męczyć. Jak wracam z Nowego Jorku do Polski to 8 godzin, 8 godzin trzeba się męczyć i, i gnieść się. No generalnie no faktycznie te ciuchy ciężko dostać, buty, nie buty. No, no na pewno jest, dużo, jest bardzo dużo utrudnień, no ale to też są też wiadomo jakieś tam plusy, no a największy plus jest przede wszystkim to, że bardzo pomaga to w sporcie i dlatego cieszę się, że, że tak jest. Um, there is a great positives and negatives of being um, this tall. Um, one of them, the, the positives obviously my ability in, in um, to compete in sports gives me a huge advantage of, uh, on, um, on the normal, normal person. Um, in terms of uh, getting around, traveling, driving a car can be can be difficult uh, with the smaller vehicles. Um, so definitely uh, puts strain on my knees, and it makes makes the the driving uncomfortable. And the same as um, as airplanes, if you know traveling in an economy class is is extremely uncomfortable, especially from the long travels from Poland to the U.S. where the flight is uh, eight eight to nine hours. Um, it's difficult to find a clothing my size and and shoes, so it's, uh, that could also be a, a, a pain at, at times. But um, it's it, for me, it's all it's all worth it, and and uh, hopefully uh, I'll get. Oh, I already got used used to it, and I'm able to uh, forward on with my uh, with my life and career. Alrighty, now uh, you've had ten fights already. Uh, still early in your career, but you've already went the six round distance. You've gone the eight round distance. What is it like when uh, you get extended like that by an opponent, both uh, physically and mentally? Like I, I, you're used to getting guys out of there, and then it doesn't happen, and you, you have to deal with uh, going the rounds, and also physically, you have to have the stamina to go the rounds. So talk a little bit about that. Masz 10 walk zawodowych, z tych 10 nie zawsze był knockout, już przeszłeś nieraz te 6 rund i te 8 rund. Jakie są to inne uczucia? I też czasami czemu na przykład nie doszło do tych knockoutów, czy to było, czy to miało, być, miało tak być, czy, czy tylko coś, coś zabrakło, czy coś tylko zabrakło. No co, no, kilka razy miałem bardzo bardzo ciężkich, bardzo twardych rywali, których od początku wiedziałem, że będzie ciężko znokautować, bo nikt ich nie znokautował, dlatego nie nastawiałem się nawet na ten nokaut. Bardziej liczyłem na to, że uda mi się ich wymęczyć i w tych ostatnich rundach uda mi się ich zakończyć walkę, ale no nie udało się, a więc kontrolowałem po prostu całą walkę no i trzymałem się po prostu planu i robiłem tak, żeby wygrać tą walkę. No, jeśli chodzi o no, odczucia, no wiadomo, jeśli, no, 8 rund, wiadomo, to już troszeczkę więcej kondycji kosztuje, ale ogólnie jestem dosyć, do, genetycznie dosyć dobrą kondycję mam i myślę, że 
że będę w stanie, jak się dobrze przygotuję, będę w stanie nawet na dobrym tempie przewalczyć 12 rund. Um, I believe my opponents, uh, we, we chose our opponents uh, to be, at certain fights, to be extremely tough. They haven't been um, knocked out before or, or where the fight has been um, been stopped. Um, this, you know, this will give me that experience of being in those in those full full rounded fights for for my future. Um, I believe, I of course, I always would like to have the fight end in a, a end before before the recorded uh, bout, but it doesn't always happen that way. Um, my goal is always just to make sure I can control the tempo of the fight, control my emotions, and control uh, uh, each each round, um, making sure that I, that I win. Um, which would in total make sure, uh, allow me to win my fight. I believe I, I learn a lot from those fights. Um, it really gets the it really sh shows to me that I could could be in there f for those rounds, and um, the experience of of the, the being tired and and the emotions of of being there um, during those rounds. I think is is only a benefit to my career, and uh, allowing me to better prepare for and know what I need to do more for the ten and twelve rounders. Which um, are, are going to be coming up, uh, hopefully shortly. Now you fought on December 10th in Madison Square Garden, New York City. It was a big, top-ranked uh, card where they were featuring one of their biggest stars, Teofimo Lopez Jr., and a bunch of hot young prospects. First, talk about how you were able to get on that card. How did that happen? gdzie to była wielka karta, gdzie Teofimo Lopez, top ranku, gdzie gwiazda Teofimo Lopez walczył plus różnych innych prospektów od top ranku. Jak, jak się tam pojawiłeś, jak, to walkę, jak, się, jak ta walka się odbyła? No, tutaj mój, mój menadżer złożył kilka, złożył propozycje do kilku do największych grup promotorskich w Stanach i e, tutaj udało się, e, znaczy mie, mieliśmy kilka propozycji, jedna się nie udała i tutaj udało się zaplanować tą walkę na 10 grudnia. E, naprawdę wszystko fajnie się udało, e, przyszło wielu, wielu polskich kibiców i udało się dać fajną walkę i mam nadzieję, że będą kolejne takie propozycje. Uh, the fight was thanks to uh, my manager. Um, uh, we were able to, who was in contact with, uh, with with these big uh, promoters, and he was able to get me on this card because we did have, uh, were able to pull in a lot of Polish fans from all over, uh, from all over New York and New Jersey area, and uh, we we did keep our word, and that's what we did, and um, we we just uh, we're gonna continue to make sure we do sell tickets, we do put on a show, so. Uh, so um, our, my name gets bigger and bigger in, in the boxing world and the promoters just continue to, to love my work and professionalism and uh, skill and emotion that I put out in the ring. Now that night you faced Emilio Salas. They the corner stopped it in the second round. It looked like you were doing a, a lot of what you wanted to do. Salas was a southpaw. Did you have a lot of experiences with southpaws prior to that? Because it did not look like you had any issues with the southpaw. Uh, Bartuis is Vancouver Emilio Salas. Czy miałeś uh, dużo uh, 
doświadczenia z, z mękutami przed tą walką, bo w ringu nie, nie, było, nie było widać, że miałeś jakieś ległości albo problemy. Miałem bardzo dużo sparingów. Miałem, to, to było trzecie podejście tego rywala, więc tak naprawdę trzeci raz przygotowuję się już do tego rywala. Miałem dużo sparingów z leworęcznymi. Sparowałem z Zangiem Filejem, z Otto Walin, z Marko Milun, z, z, z Ustykiem. Byłem, no, miałem naprawdę bardzo dobrych sparingów. Technicznie bardzo dobrze przygotowywaliśmy się pod Manikuta, więc uh, this would have been our uh, third attempt at trying to fight uh, Emilio Salas, that he was a, a local New York uh, uh, boxer who just recently beat Nicosi Solomon, who was a, a national prospect. Um, I, I did have a lot of experience uh, being at this th third time uh, preparing for a fight against a southpaw. Um, I did have great sparring with uh, boxers like Otto Weilen, Zhiledi uh, Zhang, uh, Alexander Ustik, and uh, Marco Milun, who came from Croatia to help me out with this fight. So we, we do prepare well for our fights, um, whether it's a southpaw or, or orthodox boxer. We make sure uh, I have the right, uh, right work for, for that fight. Now, it has been reported that you went to Dubai to spar with uh, Usyk. Talk a little bit about that experience. And when you're sparring, trying to get a champion ready like that, are things explained to you ahead of time? What's expected of you? What are the do's and don'ts of, of sparring a Usyk? Does that conversation take place? Jak to było, czy, czy były też rozmowy, jak masz sparować, jak masz się zachować, co masz robić, co masz nie robić, taki styl, jak, jak, jak tam byłeś? Tak, przed każdym sparingiem oglądaliśmy, było na, na dużym telewizorze wyświetlana walka, utyka z Joshua i każdy oglądał tą walkę, każdy miał się mniej więcej dostosować do stylu Fiurego, trener, trener przed każdym sparingiem mówił nam, jak mamy boksować w każdej rundzie. Więc tak, tak, naprawdę, tak naprawdę każdy miał się dostosować mniej więcej do tego stylu Joshua i do, do tego, co, co trener usyka po prostu nam każe robić na, na, danym, na danym, danym rundzie. Więc tutaj naprawdę w 100% takie profesjonalne podejście pierwszy raz, czy z takim czymś spotkałem, ale no tutaj to jest naprawdę już sportowiec z najwyższej półki, więc musi to być to profesjonalne podejście. I believe this is he has a enormous uh, professional um he, he he comes up to the to boxing extremely professional including his camp um before before our sparring sessions we would watch uh, some of some some tape of of Joshua and um, his trainer would uh, give us pointers on how he, they would want us to, to spar in, in, in each sparring uh, session. Um, I believe this is a, they, their camp was extremely professional um, and I definitely took out a lot of uh, experiences from it. Uh, talk a little bit about, you talked about growing up, being uh, attracted to boxing. Boxing has the great greatest history in all of sports, in my my opinion. Who are some uh, boxers, both past and present, that you admire? Uh, 
Box ma z jednej naj, naj, najfajniejszych historii w sporcie. Kogo, kto Ci się najlepiej podobał w przyszłości i dzisiaj? No stylowo najbardziej podobał mi się Mohamed Ali, bo walczył typowo takim stylem, że miał niesamowitą pracę nóg i nie, da, nie dawał się nikomu w ogóle dotknąć, trafić i miał w ogóle boks dla mnie to jest taka szermielka na pięści, uderz, a nie daj się trafić, dlatego najbardziej podobają mi się style właśnie typu Mohamed Ali, a w dzisiejszych czasach to właśnie Tyson Fury też ma właśnie bardzo dobry styl, bardzo dobrze trzyma na dystans, nie daje się w ogóle nikomu trafić, jest niesamowicie ruchliwy, jest i ma w dodatku bardzo podobne zbliżone warunki do mnie i na nim się bardzo wzoruje i mam nadzieję, że uda mi się zbudować bardzo podobny styl. I, I also love the history of boxing. I think um, um, throughout history Muhammad Ali was one of my favorites due to his uh, style of fighting where he was very quick on his feet and had uh, and showed great defense. Um, I believe uh, the boxing is uh, the art of boxing is to hit and not get hit. That's what I kind of take into my career. Um, where I where especially with my reach and and my ability on to to move on my feet um, or my attributes, I want to make sure I uh, take advantage of it and and and, and box at the same at the same style as as a uh, fighters like Muhammad Ali. In today's time, I really enjoy watching um, Tyson Fury, who does who who is a big man and and is able to move great on his feet and also keep his distance well and also prefer uh, have great emotional fights. Now you fought six times in 2022. The calendar turns 2023 very shortly. What are your goals for 2023? Do you have a, a set number of fights you would like to have for yourself? Uh, and if so, how soon can we see you back in the ring? Wróciłeś jeszcze raz w tym roku, już nadchodzi koniec roku. Jakie masz cele na następny rok? Kiedy chcesz, kiedy zmierzysz się zawalczyć następny raz? I ile razy w tym roku chcesz zawalczyć w nowym roku? No, myślę, że w tym roku chciałbym troszeczkę, troszeczkę mniej walk zrobić, ale do każdej się jak najlepiej przygotować. Planuję tak, zobaczymy ile będzie okazji, ale myślę, że tak 3-4, planujemy tak 3-4 walki. Bardzo bym chciał właśnie do każdej walki jak najlepiej się przygotować i dać po prostu jak najlepszą walkę. Um. Uh, we're we're, we're going to be trying to have a fight hopefully in um, the f first uh, first quarter end of the first quarter of the, of the of the year and then have a uh, three to four fights within the within the year going forward i want to be fully focused on each fight now and and continue to grow my opposition and better off my experience in the ring with better opposition so so i can uh, learn as as i go and uh, so hopefully you'll be able to see me three or four times next year. All righty, Damien Kaniba, thank you for coming on the show. Now's the time for some closing remarks. Uh, any shout-outs you want to give, any social media that you want to tell the fans about, we thank you for coming on and can't wait to see you fight again. Thank you. Thank you for coming on my wywiadu, jakbyś chciał kogoś tam pozdrowić albo podać swoje social media dla, dla kibiców, to teraz jest czas. No to 
no to mój Instagram Damian, Damian Kapka Knyba, chciałbym pozdrowić wszystkich kibiców. Dziękuję również za wywiad. Pozdrawiam. I would like to, uh, everyone to share uh, to follow me on uh, Instagram at, at Damien.kniba. Um, I'd like to thank you guys again for, for having me on the show and I'd like to show uh thank all the boxing fans and box and uh and all the fans of this channel for, for staying tuned and uh looking forward to uh putting on a great great year of boxing for you guys next year. Take care. All righty, thank you. We are looking forward to it and have a great rest of your evening. This is your boy, Regis, Rougarou Progress, and you're listening to Zoot's Boxing Talk. All righty, welcome back to Zoot's Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you a sweet science straight up with no twist. And thank you once again to Damien Kaniba and uh, Lucas Kaunaki for uh, setting that up for us, looking to see more from the big heavyweight in 2023. If you're a fan of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at Zoots Boxing Talk. Hit me up on Facebook and Zoots Boxing Talk on Instagram. I'm trying to get this Instagram thing uh, going. Uh, I don't know how to really mess with Instagram other than posting pictures, but I was talking to Wilkins Santiago, uh, and I'm trying to get that in there. So look for Zoots Boxing Talk on Instagram as well. Go to topclassboxing.co.uk. For all your boxing fixings, fixes. And no, I don't know what uh, Thomas Hauser's uh, dick looks like. Uh, I referred to him as pencil dick, and I was like, the wrong thing to say. Uh, t- t- to me, he looks like a walking penis. So I don't know why I said pencil dick with, with that dopey hair. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, guys, guys like that, they just drive me crazy how, how, how like, you know, Stuck up they are, and I'm a fan of House's work. I mean, The Black Lights is like the greatest boxing book ever. Uh, but uh, you know, don't be a dick, right? And, and, and tell me, him and Dan Raphael isn't the greatest number ten of all time? See those two guys side by side. And uh, he, I mean, here's all you know, all you need to know about Thomas Hauser in terms of personality. Uh, you know, he's uh, you know condescending and jerky to Lee Groves. I mean, Lee Groves is the biggest sweetheart in boxing. Nobody has a problem with Lee Groves, except Thomas House. But let's, let, 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 let's keep off that. That's not why we're here. But uh, these things just come out sometimes, and I, 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 I can't help it. I'm sorry. I try and say hello to somebody, and they just give you a dirty look. It's like, fuck you. All right, here we go. It is Dayton Doxing History, December 21st, 1951. We have a couple of rare birds here tonight as we see Norman Thompson win a 10-round decision over Chief Crazy Horse back in 1951. Yes, Chief Crazy Horse, uh, also known as Frankie Martin. And uh, Chief Crazy Horse going into this fight was uh, 55, 47, and 23. He Finished his career 58, 56, and 25. Uh, he, five of his wins were by KO, and uh, he lost by knockout 11 times. And who was the referee on this night in 1951? None other than the great Jack Dempsey. Let's go now to 12, 21, 1976 at the Heinz Convention Center in Boston. Marvelous Marvin Hagler stops George 
Davis in six rounds. George Davis was also an opponent of Willie the Rome Monroe, Danny Moyer, Rudy Robles, Roy Jones, and Ray Seals. Not the Roy Jones you're thinking. The Roy Jones who marvelous Marvin Hagler also stopped. And I think for years he was supposedly billed as the father of Roy Jones, but it's not really, he was not really the Roy Jones' dad. I'm not sure how that whole story works. But on this date, in history, a common opponent of the marvelous one, George Davis, gets stopped at the Heinz Convention Center. Now let's go to December 21st, 1977 at the Rollerama in Brooklyn, New York. Check out this card. Tony Danza KOs uh, Ray Bryant. Tony Danza of taxi fame was a real professional boxer. Um I mean, you know, he fought Carlos Palomino on the show, and he was known as a boxer on the show as the character <clears throat> Tony Banta. But Tony Danza had a career record of uh, nine and three. All nine of his wins were by knockout. Two of his uh, losses were by knockout as well. Also on this card, Willie Klassen, who lost his life in the ring against Wilfred Scipion a couple of years later, stops Ricky Burgess. In one round. And here's the most interesting fight of all. Uh, Jerry Cooney stops, <clears throat> excuse me, Jimmy Sykes in one round. Now, this is a real head scratcher. Jerry Cooney, uh, the big heavyweight Jerry Cooney, stops Jimmy Sykes, who is known like as a middleweight. I mean, Sykes is for, for guys like Benny Briscoe, Sumbu Calabay. Frank the Animal Fletcher, Doug DeWitt, and, and somehow on this date in 1977, he's in the ring against the big heavyweight with a big punch. I mean, no doubt he gets no 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 shock, I should say. So, you know, he gets stopped in one round. How the heck did this fight get made? And if you look in the, look at this fight and examine it and research it, and, and, uh, I had a I couldn't find what weights these guys were at. They didn't list the, the weights that either Cooney or Jimmy Sykes. Wait in at. They're very odd. I, I was very surprised when I saw uh, that fight. December 21st, 1985. Evander Holyfield stopped Anthony Davis in four rounds. This is the night of Olympic gold. Also on the card, Mark Williams wins an eight-round decision over Hegeman Robertson. Meldrick Taylor, another eight-round decision against Victor Acosta. And Tyrell Biggs stops Tony Anthony of Mike Weaver disqualification fame in one round on this date in 1985. We're going to get Wilkins Santiago up here shortly for Santiago's stance. But before we do that, let's talk a little about There's more, more news on the wires of potential fights and potential fights that we want to see. It's been talked about today that Tyson Fury and uh, Yusick have agreed to fight. Now, I'm not going to get too carried away because how many times, especially with Fury, do we, we have these fights teased? I mean, how many times did they tease Fury and Joshua to us only to not happen? So... While I'm encouraged by this, 
I'm not going to get too crazy yet. But we have the potential for a stellar 2023 in the first quarter of boxing. I mean, on paper, we have two fights that are agreed upon that are mega fights, no-brainers, easy, acceptable pay-per-views. And I'm talking about Tank Garcia. I'm sorry, Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia. Tank has got to fight another Garcia first. That's on pay-per-view. But Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia is agreed upon as a pay-per-view showdown early in the year. And hopefully, if Fury and Usyk do agree to terms and get it done, it is in the first quarter. And we also have some good fights uh, already scheduled for January. I mean, Charlo and Zoo is a beautiful fight at the end of January. So, and we're seeing a lot of these guys, top 10 guys fighting each other. It, it's happening. Might not be uh, grabbing the headlines. It's hard to take away from the negativity, especially when the, the number one fight on most people's wish list Spence and Crawford has been uh, teased so many times and exhausted to the point where you just don't think it's going to happen. You know, if while I kid and I say that's very casual of you, if you think uh, the success of boxing hangs on the balance of only Crawford and Spence, I completely understand how some people could get disenfranchised with the sport when things like that happen. Because let's face it, the average boxing fan is not investing their time watching the complete undercard of three or four different streams a weekend. It's just the case, right? It's just the way it is. I don't care how much boxing you watch. There's always a bunch of boxing on that you're never going to be able to see. I mean, every weekend in boxing, it's a worldwide sport. There's things all over the globe that it's impossible to watch everything. And as a result, everybody's probably missing a lot of good stuff. But now what's great about these streams is you get the exposure more with all of these other fights that have a chance to be good, right? How many times do we watch these cards and the best fights are the six rounders? First or second fight in. But not everybody's watching that much. They're not investing that much in the sport. They want to be there for the HBO style things. That's a thing of the past. I get it. But they still want to see the big super fights. And if they're paying attention, we got a chance to see a few. Uh, again, I, I would li- I, I want to see Fury Usyk badly, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. We'll see if Wilkins uh, could come on a little earlier. Let me just check something else out. There was other news. I don't know if I want to get into the whole uh, grievance with Avanesson and the uh, gloves with Crawford. Uh, for a couple of reasons, I don't know enough about it. I, I don't want to give such a, a, a fight that had no business happening with Avanesson and Crawford that much uh, airplay anyway. But uh, apparently, there's issues 
some issues with uh, Crawford with a little funny business with the gloves, according to Avanessin, of course. I, I don't know enough about it. I, I, I don't think uh, Crawford is that stupid. I mean, first of all, I mean, he could have won this fight blindfolded. What the hell is he going to do? Why would he try and fight with loaded gloves? It it, it, it fails to make sense. It fails to make sense. So we're going to get Wilkins on momentarily for Santiago's chance. I'm just checking something else. Quickly. Uh, yeah, was there anything else that I wanted to say? I think that was it. This weekend, there's nothing going on. It's Christmas weekend, so no boxing to speak of. The only other fight of the, the calendar year 2022 takes place uh, on December 31st. I'm still not sure if that fight is going to be televised for us American fans, but we'll have to wait and see. But uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to have Wilkins Santiago on with Santiago's stats. Enjoy. All righty. Thank you. We are back. And uh, I am very pleased to introduce this next fella. I interviewed him a bunch of times during his boxing career. And uh, he hasn't fought in uh, a few years now, but he had a nice uh, career. Uh, his record finished with 12 one and three. He was never stomped in the ring. He was always a pleasure to watch, a pleasure to talk to. And now we're going to have his expertise here on Santiago's stance. Welcome back, my friend, Wilkins Santiago. How you doing tonight? All right, George. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I can't complain. Uh, you know, how, how is it by you? Uh, uh, are you getting hit with those frigid temperatures that everybody's complaining about over, across the country? Oh, yeah, man. Definitely today as well, man. I was trying to get out there and get some last-minute shopping because, you know, that's how it is right now. Uh, you know, tied up with the kids and at home with the family and stuff, trying to get everything out the way, man. And, yeah, it's it's cold out there. Well, it, it, it was hot. The boxing was hot over the weekend. And on Friday evening, you uh, – 
were part of a, a smaller car that had some good talent on. Uh, you uh, called the fight on the stream. So give us some information on that. Talk a little bit about that and that card before we get into the uh, Frank Martin uh, fight. Yeah, man, it was a great card. Uh, they had uh, seven bouts, I believe it was. Yeah, seven bouts. Uh, great card. We had the Mason brothers on there. Uh, if you guys know, uh, Top Rank got one of them. Abdullah Mason, top prospect coming out right now, man. Uh, looking sharp, man. The kid, kid is special talent, man. That I see, uh, you know, becoming something, making a name for himself in the in the in the big boys. Uh, we had Michael Moore's been out the ring for quite some time. Mark Davis Jr. You know, a couple of the Cleveland fella guys that are nearby. Um, definitely, they had a great show. Tim Van Newhouse, like I say, he promoted the show. Uh, very sold out crowd. So it was um it was it was definitely exciting, man. I was ecstatic to be there and support all these young fighters. Yeah, Abdullah Mason, as you mentioned, a top-ranked prospect. Excellent to get a guy like that on the card. His brother, Amir Mason, fought uh, Sean Perry, and although it was a pretty quick fight, I I was just as impressed with him as Abdullah. I think Amir Mason has a a shot to be uh, uh, a top contender. Yes, yes. I mean, the the whole family, man, the whole stable, there's about five of them that box in us. You know, uh, he looked he looked real good in there. Amir Mason looked good as well. Um, you can tell, you know, you in camp with uh, you in the gym and camp with uh, with those type of fighters, man. Iron sharpens iron, man. That's how that's how this game works, man. When you go want to go to the top leagues, you got to be around the top fighters. And a, a classic club fight, a fight fans fight, a, a fight that you would only see on a card of this magnitude. Uh, Jeremy Ramos against Danny. Rosenberger, uh, that, that was a good close fight as well. Yeah, that was. Danny's a good friend of mine as well, man. It was a, it was a hell of a fight, man. Um, like I said, the show was, it was outstanding. Sold out, sold out crowd. Um, so you know, uh, Tim did a really good job with that. And there was a lot of action outside of the ring. Uh, Cleveland legend Bernie Kozar was there yeah. and stole the show momentarily uh, upon his entrance. Yeah, he did. He did. He, uh, everybody was, you know, Bernie's a legend out here in Cleveland, man. Uh, we haven't seen nothing like that for quite some time. Uh, we were looking for that for this year, but it's not looking too well. But, uh, you know, always going to support the Browns, man. Um, so, uh, yeah, Bernie was in the house. He actually came up and uh, interviewed him for a little bit, you know. And uh, um, good guy, man. First time I've ever met him. Really great guy. Good spirit. Um, you know, everybody was excited that he was in the house supporting, you know, the local boxing and, you know, just boxing in general. Yeah, I mean, uh, Cleveland is a great sports uh, city, but when, especially when it, uh, I mean, great box, a lot of great boxing history. Jerry Fitch has a lot of books on the Cleveland boxing history. I've had him on the show a bunch of times. Uh, but especially if you're talking about the team sports, also a very tortured City with all, all of those between the, the, the Browns, the now Guardians, uh, the Cavaliers. I mean, uh, one piece of heartbreak after the other. How do you guys handle that stuff? Man, we just, you know, we just keep us keep our spirits high, man, and hoping to, uh, to bring that championship home in either one of those uh, sportsmen. Uh, you know, LeBron was the last thing we got, and, uh, you know, we're, we're grateful for what he's done for the city, uh, you know, but. It, you know, life goes on for everyone, man. Um, we're just uh, thankful that, you know, he brought us one. 
you know, Cleveland, we're diehard fans, man, especially the Browns, man. We're, uh, you know, the Browns, we're like, that's, to to bring a championship to, to Cleveland, for the Cleveland Browns, that's just like, woof, winning the World Series here in Cleveland. And, um, you know, that hasn't happened in quite some time as well. But, um, yeah, um, yeah, the diehard Brown fans, if you guys know, you guys tune in, uh, <laughs> that crowd is something else. Yeah, I mean, uh, so, and I'm not as much of a football guy as I used to be, but I always say uh, you know, something special when the Cleveland Browns are good. I mean, there's in those Cold teams in the 80s, uh, you know, certainly uh, is evidence for that claim. Yeah, it's a rough house, man. It's the dog pound, man. It's either, either the dog pound or you got Oakland. The, you know, probably the two, you know, uh, the two um, – stadiums where it's going to get rowdy and there's going to be all types of fights going on, you know, diehard fans, man. And that's, that's what we do when you love the sport or when you, you know, support somebody. Um, that's just how it is, man. Um, it's part of, it's part of the, the business, the game, the sport, however you want to call it. Yeah. And the, the, uh, the other treat of, of the, the evening, uh, another legend in the house, uh, Ray Mancini, not only was he in the house, he, he was working as a judge. I, I couldn't believe yeah. my eyes. Like, that's Ray Mancini, a boxing judge. You know Ray as well, yeah. right? Yeah, boom, boom. Great guy, man. I, I had the honor to meet him at the Hall of Fame uh, this past year. I, I went to the Hall of Fame with a buddy of mine, Jake DeMalo. Um, he used to be an ex-fighter as well. Um, took me out there. I was, man, Mancini's a great guy, man. Good personality. Uh, people's person, people's champ, man, just like he was um yeah, um, it was it was it was a, it was a blessing to to, to be able to ex, uh, you know to exchange words with a man who uh you know who who had some tough wars in there and and, and knew how to you know and knew how to handle himself a true a true pugilist of the sport. Indeed, indeed, and then, you know a lot of people want to want to moan and complain about how things are not the way they used to be. The technology scares them. Oh my! Give me my VHS tapes. But uh, <laughs> the the honest, the, you know, the other side of the coin is without technology and this day and age, fight fans like myself would never get to see a card like that unless I was actually in the arena. I mean, it's great that the, these little cards you could see on uh, these streaming services now. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um. Um, like I said, it was an honor, man, to to even be able to, um, you know, to uh, commentate the fight. You know, I was blessed to to do that. You know, a couple times I've done it already. They basically they like how I how I call. Um, but just to have it on a show like this, especially home, close to home, and it's uh it's great for the city. It's great for everyone, especially the, the you know the fighters that come from out of town, um, and out of state. Um, they love the show. They they we made them feel very welcome, and um, you know uh. Tim Van Newhouse, like I said, did a great job. He's he's uh he's plans on throwing about two or three more shows next year. So uh, it's great for the fighters, man, to continue to you know stay busy, um, continue to be, try to get to that next level, and uh hopefully you know get that go for that title shot one day. Yeah, well, we'll definitely keep an eye on it. I, I, I love cards like that, and I can't tell you what a thrill it is to be able to catch those things on, on these streaming services, and thank you uh, for sharing that. Uh, now, Wilkins, it's time to put your 
analytical hat on. We had a big fight at the top of the bill on top of the Showtime card. Michelle Rivera versus Frank Martin. At one point, uh, Rivera was the betting favorite. That changed as a lot of money came mm-hmm. in on Martin. Yeah. Uh, it was a clear, dominant performance by Martin. Yeah. Uh, Rivera was a guy that's been uh, you know, on Showtime a lot as well. And uh, the uh, resemblance to Muhammad Ali w- was part of the whole yeah. mystique. Uh, personally, yeah. I said this months ago, I, I always thought he looked more like a, a, a young uh, Julian Jackson, especially with his hair now, than Muhammad Ali. But whatever yeah. the case may be, uh, it was uh-huh. a dominant performance. Yeah, it was a dominant performance by Frank Martin. What did you get out of it? Man, man, he uh, definitely uh, put on the show, man. Um, I, you know, not to, you know, downplay uh, Rivera or anything like that, but I had Martin easily get in this fight. Um, you know, I understand people are, you know, making uh, Mar- uh, Rivera to be this, you know, the closest thing to Ali and stuff like that. You know, I respect every man who gets steps foot in that ring. You have to. It takes a lot of guts to get in there, you know, and let it all out, um, especially when you got a, a fresh, good talent like Frank Martin. And uh, he's, um, you know, he's, he's in that uh, Errol Spence camp. And, you know, when you're around Errol, you know, um, you got to get, you got to be sharp, you know. And uh, um, Frank Martin did a hell of a job. Caught him with that nice right hand that put, him, I mean, left hand, excuse me, that uh, put him down in the, what was that, the seventh round, I believe it was. Yeah, seventh round. Um, but you know, he was able to get back up with an easy unanimous decision. Um, he was picking his shots. He made it look easy in there. Made it look like uh, Rivera didn't even belong in there with him. There's levels to this. Now, oftentimes, Wilkins, they we, we see these things, especially nowadays with social media, and we see these narratives, and they grow, and they grow, and they get repeated, and they get repeated, and then, you know, just because a million people say it, it's fact. And the narrative around this fight after the fact was that uh, Rivera camp blew it so to speak because it looked like he had no idea mm-hmm. what to do with a southpaw uh yeah. is it really that simple or is it just the fact that uh he did not he couldn't handle this particular southpaw i mean did you i mean is it real is it realistic to think that they went in there not prepared at all to face the southpaw or or i i think it was more the case that they couldn't handle this superior southpaw yeah, the way I look at it, man, as an ex-fighter, you know, I've done it for so many years. There's no excuses when it comes to this. Um, you know what you got in front of you. Uh, you prepare yourself mentally, physically, uh, spiritually, emotionally, and you got to come to fight. And the better man won. Um, I had uh, Martin. I didn't believe that uh, Rivera should have even been in there with this type of caliber fighter. Um, this guy, he, you know, he's been looking really sharp, really sharp. He's coming. You can tell that he's growing. Um, and you know, and he displayed that type of show on uh, uh, the past weekend. Um, he looked, he looked completely sharp. His punches were nice and precise. Uh, wherever he wanted to put his shot, that's that's where the punches landed. Um, so you know, I take my ta- my hat off to to Team Martin and you know and his crew out there. Um, they look good. Um, I feel the kid's got some, you know, he's got some talent to to make some noise in the division. Um, but there's some top dogs in there that uh, you know, uh, I feel. You know they're 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 on a whole different level. Now, even though 
he got outclassed. He did not look good. Don't we owe a little praise to a guy like Rivera? Otherwise, if this one loss is a death sentence and uh, he's never going to recover, doesn't that indeed justify when other guys don't want to get matched in there tough uh, until it's for the big championship uh, if we're going to play that card? No, like I said, uh, you got to respect it. Um, the guy went in there to fight. You know, uh, he gave it his all. Uh, the better man won. Um, but, uh, yeah, Rivera, you know, he just got to go back to the drawing board, uh, put it back together. He's still young. Um, he's got a lot to a lot to still give to the sport. Um, you know, and, it, it, and with time, you know, he'll probably get that shot again to hopefully get him, you know, closer to that next, to that next step. Um, but, um, yeah, you got to tip your head off to him. Like I said, you just can't, you know, you can't downplay anyone that steps in that ring. Um, he did a hell of a job. He had a game plan. Obviously, it didn't work. Um, but you go back to the drawing board and, uh, you know, you, you sharpen up your tools and you come right back for it. It's kind of similar to a, a fight I was high on uh, a few months ago in Australia between Liam Parrow and uh, the youngster, Brock Jarvis, both these guys were young, undefeated guys. Paro was a little higher up on the, the rating scale. He winds up getting Brock Jarvis out of there fairly uh, quickly. He was handled by, you know, Jarvis is a, a Jeff Fennick student. Uh, but, you know, all the power to Brock Jarvis for daring to be great in, in such a fight. And I think the same holds true uh, for Rivera, like you just uh, said. But Martin, it's Martin. It was Martin's fight. It was Martin's weekend. What's next for Martin? I mean, the two champs at lightweight, I don't see uh, in uh, the division in uh, the BA. That's where uh, I think Martin has his highest rankings. The WBA, you got Haney and you, you got Tank. Uh, I, I for various reasons, I don't see a Martin Haney fight. I mean, uh, it's just not going to happen, especially now with Haney being with top rank and wanting to get the Lomachenko fight. Tank Davis has, is certainly busy up until then. Uh, so where does Frank Martin go from here? You you don't want to see him go backwards. I would like to see him in there against like a Williams Zapata. If you were playing matchmaker Wilkins, uh, who would you want to see Frank Martin in there against next? Well, you know, he called out a couple of fighters already. Um, he called out Davis, uh, Devin Haney. I would stay away from them two guys right now, but he also called out Rolly Romero. And I feel like Rolly Romero, you know, that'd be a good test for Frank Martin. Um, you know, uh, even though we know what happened to Rolly, um, but I believe with Rolly would be a good test for him, and like you said, Zapata as well. Zapata's a tough kid. Yeah, that would be a, that that would be a super fight for both of those guys. I mean, he, he's not getting tanked. Tank Tank is all tied up with a couple of Garcias yeah. <laughs> early in the year, and uh, you know, had Haney not gone to top rank, I, I think that fight might have been doable, but. Uh, Top rank is not going to make a fight with, with a Frank Martin. Not yet, anyway. They, they don't make crossover fights unless there's a lot of money to be had, like with the uh, Fury Wilder situation. Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, right now, they're not going to take that chance. There's a lot of money up there. Uh, I don't believe uh, the Martin and Haney's going to draw big numbers. Um, maybe, you know, later down in the future, possibly, uh, depending on how that division, you know, ends up standing out. Um, but uh, 
Definitely, like you said, I see a Martin and a Zapata, um, that type of fight, or even a Romero, like he said, he calls them out at the end as well. Um, so, you know, we just got to gotta see how the promotional, you know, aspect of it works because it's all a business at the end of the day. And uh, it's possible a William Zapata might seem too risky. Uh, Martin might seem too risky for Zapata yeah. and vice versa. Uh, so I was also thinking about this matchup. How about uh, George Cambosis? Give him a shot uh, to get back in the status. Uh, I think that's a good fight for Martin. I, I think it's a fight he, he should be a heavy favorite in, it, but it would do a lot for his name if he could win. And you measure how how well he could do against the Cambosis compared to what Haney did twice. Yeah, well, what, what weight class are we talking about with Cambosis? 35? Yeah, correct. I I think he's staying at 35, unless he's moving up. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure what he's doing. Um, but yeah, 35 that would be even a good step up for him. You know, Cambosa has been in there with with some with some good guys, some heavy guys actually. Um, and um, that'll be a good little step up. See how uh how that outcome plays out. It'll definitely show where he should be. Um, with the top guys, and uh, maybe it'll open the door up for him as well on that level. Yeah, I mean. It's definitely fun to see what happens. He, he definitely uh, ha- has made his mark, and uh, it's one of those things like Don King used to always say, the, the two words you want to hear after a card is what's next. When is the yeah. next one? Which is a little bit more than two words, but uh, we definitely have that with Frank uh, Martin. And, and on a lot of guys uh, from this weekend, uh, two guys that you covered directly in the Mason Brothers. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, those Mason brothers, man, their uh, coach is doing a hell of a job with them. Um, they're starting to look sharp. Um, they're looking bright out there. They got a bright future in front of them. They're still young, like I said, so there's no need to rush anything with them. But uh, they look like they're going to be, um, you know, some making some noise in this in this sport. Indeed, indeed. Now, 2022 is coming. Uh, to a close, all in all, I, I think is a much better year than what the narrative of boxing. Uh, if you go on social media, suggest I'll get more into that when I do my end of the year articles and shows and all of that. But we do want to have a better 2023. We deserve a better 2023. Uh, again, I want you to play matchmaker from Santiago's stance. What three fights? do you think should happen that would make 2023 stellar? Oh, man, that's a, that's a hell of a question because I, I have quite a few of them that are um, top three. Uh, well, we all know that uh, everybody's been calling for that Spencer Crawford, man. It's been an anticipated fight for <laughs> how long? We already know it's, I mean, it's it's bound to happen, but like we said, it's a lot of, a lot of talks in between, you know, money situation, purse wise, and stuff like that. Um, but uh, we're, um, that's definitely one I want to look look forward to. Um, big Crawford fan, love Spence as well. Um, big Crawford fan though, but uh, that's one of them. Um, I like to see uh the the B third in the um in the Bivol fight. That's another one I would love to see. Um, and you know Haney and Shakur is another great one. Um, I could name a few. Uh, Inouye and and Stephen Fulton would be an also another another amazing fight. Uh, and I was also thinking about Ramirez and Shakur, the guy that beat Shakur for the gold medal. Another great fight, man. Now, out of all of those fights, which one do you think has 
the best chance of happening? Ooh. Ooh. I mean, we have we have we have Tank and uh, Ryan, which I'm all Lady Gaga about. Yeah. Tank has to fight another Garcia first. Uh, hopefully, mm-hmm. that comes goes through. But uh, out of the ones you mentioned, or another one that's on your list, what do you think has the best chance of happening? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean. That's another one I forgot to mention, the the tank and uh and Garcia. Um, another anticipated fight everybody's dying to see. Um, they're both you know, they're both talking it up. Um, but nothing's happening. You know, it's keeping us fans like in a loop of, you know, uh where's this gonna go? Um but uh yeah, I'm leaning towards the Bivol and Beatrice fight. Well, Benavides has Yardy early in the year, so if that fight is going mm-hmm. to happen, it's going to be in yeah. – it's not going to take place in the first quarter. But, I mean, in principle, Tank and Ryan have agreed to fight each other. Tank is fighting Jose Luis Garcia in early January, and if all goes well, they are supposed to fight uh, in the first quarter as well. Uh, they, you know, even yep. uh, Espinosa of Showtime has, has talked about that. But I wanted to get your – finger on the pulse of Ryan Garcia because something happened uh, recently on uh, social media that worried me a little bit about this fight. I mean, I'm worried about it anyway, and I've said it on this show. That's the various reasons why. But Ryan Garcia is a guy that's had some mental issues, had some time where he had to step away, where he backed away from some fights. And uh, he at first said he was also going to take a tune-up uh, so to speak, the way Tank is, and then fight Tank. And then recently he posted that he's not going to take a tune-up. This is all he wants. So me, as an outsider, I'm starting to worry. It's like this guy getting cold feet. Is something going to happen where he's going to freak out and not want to take the fight? Uh, I want to get into the mind of a fighter like yourself. Uh, are those uh, real red flags for me to worry about, or am I thinking too much into it that he's now – did a 360 on not wanting a, a tune-up fight anymore. Um, you know, that's that's a good point. Um, we can look at it from both ways. Um, it could be a fight that they're still trying to, you know, uh, really anticipate it highly, um, just like the Crawford and Spence fight, or maybe he is getting cold feet. Um, you know, that's something I, I, I truly can't point out, but if he is getting cold feet, um, you know, uh, as a fighter myself and as a boxer myself, um, you know, uh, Maybe it's time to walk away from you. Because if you want to be the best, you got to fight the best. You know, and we all know that Tank Davis is a heavy hitter. Um, he's willing to go in there with anybody, um, you know, and put his name out there on the line to, to become one of the best. He wants to be known as one of the best out there. Um, so as as for uh, Garcia, man, um, I really wanted to uh, see that fight as well. But, uh, you know, it all push comes down to, you know, is he really going to uh, – is he excusing, but uh, that his balls hang, or what is he, what is he going to do? Yeah, I mean, assuming Tank takes care of business on January 7th and comes out unscathed, no cuts, nothing like that, and somehow Ryan Garcia gets himself out of this fight, is there any coming back from that? Can you repeat that again? It cut off. Yeah, assuming Tank Davis takes care of business January 7th, 
comes out unscathed, no cuts, no injuries, and somehow Ryan Garcia walks away from this fight. Is there any coming back from that if you're Ryan Garcia? I mean, I don't want to assume the worst, but it's all, you know, I, I, it's, I'm, I'm worried. Yeah, it's definitely gonna it's definitely gonna throw some shade on your on your on your on your career. Um, yeah, he's he's beat some some great fighters, but uh, you want to give the people what they what they call for. Um, you want to put your name in the in the in the books. You gotta you gotta fight, man, and uh, that's the fight that we all want. That's the fight that Tank want. You know, and uh, um, if I'm Garcia, and knowing that uh, you know, I got all eyes on me, and you know, and everything uh. You know the world is is expecting this fight. I got to give the people what they want. These are the people who's been supporting me since day one. They've been behind me, and uh, what better way to go out and leave the sport, whether you win or not? Um, giving the people what they've been calling for. Now January seventh, Sang Davis is. Uh, uh, I don't want to call it a tune-up. He's fighting a tough fighter. I, I don't think it's pay-per-view worthy, but that's what it is. Uh, you know, Garcia beat Chris Colbert. He's a good boxer. Uh, good, good, good fight. Not pay per view. Uh, I mean, uh, the, the, I mean, Tank certainly is not taking an easy fight going into the, the Ryan Gar- Garcia fight. Is that that's something that that could be seen as something like, well, yeah, you want to you want to keep yourself sharp against tough competition, no matter what. Or is it too much of a risk with such a big fight, uh, you know, on the horizon? If you were advising Tank Davis, what would you say? I mean, it's definitely a risky fight uh, because uh, um, Garcia doesn't come to play. Um, the man, he's got some solid power, 16-0, 10 knockouts right now. Um, you know, Dominican Republic, they have some great fighters coming out of there. Um, but, you know, uh you know, you want to, you want to, you want your name in the books, man. The guys like Tank Davis who are who are willing to put that record on the line and um, you know, and show, showcase his, his talents and uh, to become one of the best ever. Indeed, indeed. Well, uh, we're winding down the show. We're winding down the year. Boxing has a lot of promise. Uh, what what else do you have going on for yourself? When's the next time uh, you plan on working the card? And what else are you doing, if anything, in the world of boxing? Well, right now, I'm not sure if you know, but uh, I do uh, I teach cardio boxing classes out in a uh, small city out here, suburban series, uh, Westlake, Ohio, um, where I've been I've tried to give back. You know, I've been working with a couple Browns players and stuff like that that we have come in. I actually... Uh, the strength training coach for the Browns, he comes into the to the gym facility as well. Um, so I teach classes like that. I do a lot of personal training uh, with different clients, stuff like that, you know. Um, unfortunately, since I can't box, you know, which is what I love, what I've been doing for so many years, I try to give back, you know. So I'm still involved in the sport um, on the fitness level side of it. Um, and also, um, I ha- I got certified for uh, HVAC when I, uh, when I had to walk away from, from boxing. So I also do that as well on the side. Um, I got a great family. You know, I got a big support team that's always been behind me. Um, so, you know, I'm just grateful to the man above, you know, continuing to open doors for me, keeping me level, um, you know, and, and just uh, maturing daily and uh, just uh, hoping for the best, man, keeping my keeping my mind right um, and, you know, and keep pursuing these goals I have in mind. All righty, and uh, we definitely want to have you on again as much as you could come on and give your expertise 
Wilkins Santiago. Now's the time for some uh, closing remarks, some shout outs you want to give, any social media you want to plug. Uh, time goes so fast when you're talking about such a wonderful topic, but uh, time is now our enemy. Yeah, definitely. First and foremost, I want to, you know, thank the almighty God for, you know, allowing this opportunity. I would like to thank you and your team over there uh, with Zeus Boxing. Uh, I appreciate your time, George. You know how much this means to me. Um, you know, my family, my mother, you know, my father, rest in peace, you know, uh, looking down now and, you know, um, I'm sure he's happy that, you know, I'm, I'm on the right path. I'm still pursuing something I love. May not be competing, but I'm still doing it. Uh, big shout out to, you know, Title Boxing Club out here in Westlake, Ohio. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're allowing me to showcase my talent in a, in a different form on the fitness side. Um, so I'm thankful for that. Um, everybody else, Lorraine, uh, my city that, you know, followed me throughout my career, all my fans across the world, across the nation, um, you know, I appreciate it. All my kids who are my love and my life, man, um, you know, my family. I just I thank everyone who's always supported Team Santiago. And, uh, you know, I'm just honored to, to be here and be able to, um, you know, to put a little bit of stuff out there. And but more importantly, man, I want to give a I want to make sure that I give a uh, big shout out to the young kids out there who are uh, who uh, may be dealing with something uh, mentally um, that um, you know uh, they're trying to fight daily. You know, we all face some sort of demons inside, and you know we're trying to fight them. So I just want those kids to know out there there's always a way, man. Just stay strong, keep pursuing your dreams and your goals, and never let yourself down. Um, you know, all is possible. Thank you so much for your time. You have a great rest of your evening, and uh, we'll get you on here soon enough. Wilkins, Santiago. Thank you, brother. All righty. So uh, as we're coming up on the end of uh, uh, this episode, this will be the last live episode of 2022. I will have a pre-recorded show set up for everybody next Wednesday, I'll do I'll, I'll commentate on whatever news might come our way with from from uh, this point on. Uh, any other big fights announced or or anything like that that might be happening, and I'll uh, play a one or two archive interviews. I'm gonna play an old interview that I just found in my archives that I totally forgot about with Timothy Bradley Jr. Uh, I actually interviewed Timothy Bradley Jr. right when uh, his first fight with Pacquiao was announced. And for the life of me, I don't remember doing it. I remember interviewing Timothy Bradley once, uh, but this was before that Pacquiao fight. And for some reason, I can't find that interview in my old episodes. I'm still looking for that one. The first time I interviewed Timothy, but I totally forgot he came on the show a second time right before his first June 9th showdown with Manny Pacquiao. So we'll get that archive in there. And I'm going to try and find the the, re, the clip of Regis Progray predicting that uh, Jose, uh, Jose Ramirez, rather, was not going to fight him way back in 2018, and he's still avoiding him now. So that's what's in store for next week. We'll be back live in January. Uh, and we'll have some other big announcements, hopefully, for you in January with Zoots Boxing Talk. Until then, thank you, Damian Kaniba. Thank you, Wilkins Santiago. And keep on punching. Stop flying, and I'm not fishing anymore.